Welcome once again to Time Redeemers Podcast. This is Dr. Ben Pierce. Thank you for joining us today. I want to speak to you for a little while on the subject of redeeming the time. After all, this is our uh, broadcast. This is our podcast now, as we've entitled this podcast, Time Redeemers. And so I want to speak, first of all, in this lesson about redeeming the time. They say that the most accurate and complicated clock in the world is known as the Olsen clock. It was installed in Copenhagen Town Hall in Denmark. The clock, which has more than 14,000 parts, took 10 years to make, and the mechanism of the clock functions in 570,000 different ways. The celestial pole motion of the clock will take 25,753 years to complete a full circle, the slowest moving designed mechanism in the world. The clock is accurate to within 0.5 seconds in a 300-year cycle. That's according to the Guinness Book of World Records. Here's some other interesting things about time. Time passes faster for your face than for your feet. That's assuming that you're standing up. Einstein's theory of relativity dictates that the closer you are to the center of the earth, the slower time goes. They say this has actually been measured. At the top of Mount Everest, for example, a year would be about 15 microseconds shorter than at sea level. Here's something else interesting. The smallest standard scientific measure of time is called a Planck time, P-L-A-N-C-K. It takes you about 550,000 trillion, trillion, trillion Planck times to blink once quickly. Keep that in mind as we think about the rapture of the church. The Bible says he's coming in the twinkling of an eye. Well, there's your measurement right there. They say on Mercury, uh, the planet Mercury, a day is two years long. Here it's 24 hours there. One day would be two years long. Uh, There's no such thing as now, they say, as far as physics is concerned. Space and time are fluid, affected by gravity and speed. Einstein put it like this. He said, for us physicists, the, the, the distinction between past and present and future is just an illusion, however persistent. Because light takes time to reach us, everything we see is in the past. Think about that for a moment today. Everything you see right now is technically in the past. The sun you can see out of your window is 8 minutes and 20 seconds old. The light from our nearest star, Proxima Centauri, is four years old. They also say time passes slower the faster you move. If you were to fly to the star Sirius at 99% of the speed of light and then flew back again, the people you left behind on Earth would have aged more than 17 years, but you would have aged less than two and a half years yourself. Isn't time an amazing thing? The more I learn about time, the less I believe I understand it or know about it. Yet time has absolutely intrigued civilization since the beginning of time. Think of the novels that have been written about time, the science fiction books about time, movies that have been developed about time and time travel, the Back to the Future movies or the Time Machine movies that are still popular even in our day. But I want us to think of time from a biblical perspective standpoint, not just from a physics standpoint, but from a spiritual and a biblical one. 
You know, Jesus is the eternal one. The Bible says that he is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Revelations 22 and verse 13 says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. As early as Genesis chapter number 1, verse 14, as God created everything, the Bible says, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs, for seasons, for days, and for years. When God put the moon out there and the sun and all the host of heaven, he did that for a purpose. He did that for time because we are creatures that are uh, that are shaped around time. Our lives are given to time. It's interesting to think then that time had a beginning. When God said, let there be lights, and he created the signs and the seasons and the days and the years, time had a beginning. The universe is designed then like a clock of sorts. Imagine a clock before the digital days when we had digital readings on our watches and our iPhones and our computers or what have you. Imagine those days when the clocks, I remember as a child taking the back off of an old uh, pocket watch, and you see all the little tiny springs and levers and pins and gears that are inside of it. And yet the universe is designed in that way. The sun, the moon are designed by God to keep time moving on. Think of a world where there is no time. Think of a world where there is no morning or evening or night. Think about a time where 60 seconds does not exist. There's no 60 seconds in a minute, no 60 minutes in an hour, no 24 hours in a day. Time itself is a great evidence of an intelligent designer of the universe. We know that to be God. But the fact that there is time in this world is a great proof of our creator. Why are there 12 months in a year? Why is there not 13 or 16 or 28? Why is there 60 seconds in a minute? Somebody might write me and say, well, there's not 60 precise seconds, but there's still 60 seconds in a minute. Uh, why is that? Why is there 24 hours in a day. Why is that? Uh, that's an evidence. That exact time is an evidence of a creator. And imagine if the sun never came up. Imagine if it never set at night. Imagine if there was no darkness or day. If you could never distinguish between moment to moment, between hour to hour, day to day, month to month, or year to year. We are absolutely creatures of time. We have a time to get up. Did you set your alarm today? Uh, you have a time to set that alarm. We have a time to eat breakfast, a time to take a shower, a bath, a time to go to work. We've got uh, a time to come home from work, a time to eat lunch, a time uh, to, to vacation. We plan that vacation time, a, a time for holidays. Whatever it is, every moment it seems like of our day is about time. Time is nothing new to the Bible. For example, Job speaks about an appointed time upon the earth. Job chapter 7, verse number 1, he says, Is there not an appointed time of man upon the earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? He goes on to say in chapter 14, verse 14, If a man dies, shall he live again? One of the most profound questions in the Old Testament. And the answer is yes, by the way. But if a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of, listen, my appointed time, Will I wait till my change come? He said, I have an appointed time upon the earth. 
The psalmist understood this very thing. He said in Psalms 89, verse 47, Remember how short my time is. Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? Remember, he says, how short my time is. You might feel like today that time is just slowly moving, but in in the actual scheme of events, the actual picture of our life, time is very brief. Hebrews 9 verse 27 says, And as it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this the judgment. The writer of Hebrews understood that there is an appointed time. We have an appointed time to be born, an appointed time to live, an appointed time to die. Uh, And there's an appointed time to face God at the judgment one day. We know that familiar phrase in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Songs have even used this and written about it. But it says here, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, a time to gather stones, a time to to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. Just about everything is encapsulated in that passage, those eight verses in Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for everything, a time for birth, a time for death, a time to love, a time for war, a time for peace. The Bible is filled with passages like those to remind us of the brevity of life, and the blessing of time, but also the curse of time. Paul said in Galatians 4, 4, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. He goes on to talk about the redemption of mankind through the appointed time of Jesus Christ. The birth of Jesus Christ was not an afterthought of God. It wasn't a coincidence or an accident. It was by design. It was when the fullness of time had come. God knew exactly that moment. No wonder Herod, when the wise men had followed the star in Matthew chapter 2, no wonder Herod knew that Jesus, knew that the Messiah would have to have been born. He had it calculated down to within two years and had those two-year-old precious little children slaughtered, trying to fit within that time frame when the Messiah must have been born and had them all executed there. Uh, And what a horrible, tragic thought that that was, but he knew that there was an appointed time for the Messiah. Daniel speaks about that in Daniel 9.26. He says that, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, and but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. He speaks about the time of the Messiah. He broke it down into weeks, and those weeks represented years. Jesus Christ had a time to come, a time to be born, a time to live, and a time to die. His ministry beginning at 30 years of age was not an accident. His, uh, his first mention at, at the age of 12 after his birth, being in the temple, is not a coincidence. That number is symbolic and is important. The fact that his ministry lasted 33, technically 33 and a half years, is a fixed time prophetically and has symbolic meaning behind it. The crucifixion coinciding with the time of the Passover, that specific time was not a coincidence. It's an appointed time prophetically. The prophetic three days and three nights that Jesus 
would be in the tomb after his crucifixion. That's not an accident. That time was set in prophecy before the foundation of the world, before the sun was placed in the in the sky and in, in space, and uh, before the moon was hung there at night. God had predetermined these things to take place prophetically. Time has played a great role in the past in prophecy. The weeks are periods of time that Daniel spoke about, and those days are equaling years. Prophetically, there's a gap between those 70 weeks, the 69th week in prophecy, and the coming last week, one day of the week, seven days in a week, each day of that week representing one year, called the time of Jacob's troubles or the tribulation. Notice it's called a time. It's a set time, and the number of years is set. Time is important to God. Time is designed by God. And so there is so much in the Bible prophetically about time in the past that has been fulfilled and things that are coming in the future. In Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, 70 weeks are determined, the Bible says, upon the people and upon the holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and bring in the everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Seventy weeks, God said, are determined before these things will take place. And yet we know as we study prophecy, and I'm sure we'll get into much of that in these podcasts, in the future, if the Lord allows that, by the way, we might not be here. The Lord might call us out before then, but we'll talk about those 70 weeks, but the 69th week and the 70th week, that last week of seven years is all designed by God. That week is quickly approaching, by the way. Daniel 7.25 says, and he shall speak great words, speaking of the Antichrist, against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. Do you know that's a evidence of the Antichrist? Beware of anybody out there trying to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Time, times, and the dividing of time is the biblical prophetic way of saying one year, then two years, then three and a half years. But the Antichrist is going to try to change times. Well, that'll be interesting. I hope that I believe we'll long be gone when that takes place, but beware of anybody trying to change the times. The only real way to make sense of the Bible, by the way, is to learn to rightly divide it. That's found in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, rightly dividing the word of truth. When you learn to make proper divisions in the Bible, where God designed his word to be read in that way, you'll see that God used periods of times in the past, in the present, and will in the future to do his work. We call these periods of times ages or dispensations. That's a biblical word. It's not a Baptist word or an evangelical made-up word. It's a word that's found in the Bible. I'm not going to go into that in this podcast today, but dispensations is a biblical teaching and a biblical word and has to do with the dividing of times. For example, in your Bible, something as simple as this. There is an Old Testament. There is a New Testament. There's a division there. That's a dispensation. There's a difference in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, versus Matthew, the first of the New Testament. There's a gap of over 400 years in there. And we see a change. Old Testament means Old Covenant. New Testament, New uh, New Covenant. There's a division between how God is dealing with people 
when Jesus is here versus before Jesus got here and how he deals with the church versus how he deals with Israel, how he'll deal with the world during the tribulation versus how he's dealing with believers in this church age. We're now living in clearly distinguished times as believers in Jesus Christ. This age is called the church age. It's another period of time. It's a time that was mysterious to the Old Testament prophets. They could see glimpses. They could see parts of the future, but they couldn't see, as one author put it, the valleys, the gaps in between the prophetical mountains, the mountain peaks of prophecy, and that valley, that gap happens to be the church age. The church had a beginning, and it has an end. The beginning of the church age was marked by exciting times initially as the Holy Ghost of God came upon those early believers in a very powerful way. I mean, in their prayer meetings, the ground shook. Prison bars were opened up. They spake in different tongues and languages to one another, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Miracles were being performed uh, in great powerful ways as the Lord birthed the church and brought it into existence. That age started right, but it ends wrong. The church age began in a right way, in an exciting way, but but ends in a sad way and and in a powerless way. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 says this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're talking about time. Well, there we have it, perilous times shall come. Perilous times describes the current state of the church. This age that we're in, this period of time for the last 2,000 years, 1 Timothy 4 verse 1 says it this way, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, urgently is what he's saying. This is something we need to know that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Do you know that there's a warning that the time of the end of the church will be perilous times It'll be times where, uh, that in the latter times, where there'll be a great departing from the faith. People don't want to believe the truth. Things that are false are easier to follow and believe than things that are right and true and holy. Jesus ascends into heaven at the, uh, until the conclusion of the church age. In Acts chapter 1, he ascends up, but in Acts 3 verse 19, The Bible says, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. The times of refreshing are coming. Acts 3.21, Whom the heavens, speaking of Jesus, must receive unto the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. The times of refreshing that shall come and the times of restitution of all things. Those are quickly approaching. As we listen to this podcast, we are inching moment by moment, second by second, minute by minute, hour by hour, closer to the time of refreshing and the time of the restitution of all things. Paul put it this way when he said in Romans eleven twenty five, he says, For I would not, brethren, have, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, one of the seven mysteries of the church age, lest you should be wise in your own conceits that blindness in part has happened unto Israel unto the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. That passage tells us that there was a time, of course, in the Old Testament, primarily from Abraham 
up until the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, where the Lord was dealing with the Jew, with Israel, his covenant people, the apple of his eye. But now that the gospel has went to the Gentiles because the Jews primarily rejected the gospel during that time, and now the church age has been underway, there is coming a fullness of the Gentiles because the church is primarily and predominantly made up of Gentile believers. It's going to come to a full, to to a level of fullness. And then the blindness will be removed from Israel's eyes after the Lord is done dealing with the Gentile nations, and he'll, he's going to deal with Jacob once again. No wonder the tribulation is called the time of Jacob's troubles. The fullness of the Gentiles being come in, that's similar to, uh, to a cup that's being filled, and it's nearing the brim. It's just about ready to overflow. It's like an hourglass that the last sand is just about fallen. Ephesians 1 verse 10 says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, there it is again, the fullness of the Gentiles, Romans eleven twenty five, the fullness of times, Ephesians 1 10, that he might gather in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. That means that the church age had a beginning, but it also has a conclusion. It has an end. And then God will deal with Israel during a period expressly given as seven years Time, times, and the dividing of time. Time as we know it, the time that we know as you've listened to this podcast, the time we see on our walls and our clocks and on our wrists and our watches and on our, 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 our computer devices has an end as well. Revelation 10 verse 6, And swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. What ushers in after the proclamation by the angel is a unique period. I don't know what else to call it, but of time, I guess we could say of an existence, unlike any other time in the history of the world, unlike any current 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, 365-day-a-year period. This period of time is the last. The Bible calls it a thousand years. In Revelation, it mentions it six times. In Revelation, a thousand years. We know that Psalms 90 verse 4 says that a thousand years in thy sight are but yesterday in a watch in the night when it is past. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3 that a thousand years to God are as a day, and a day is as a thousand years. I'm paraphrasing that verse but that's what he's saying. He said that God's time frame and a man's time frame is not the same. When we get into a lot of prophecy, that's a key passage, these two places, because it tells us that God does work on a calendar of sorts prophetically. And if that's true, that a thousand years to man is, a, is just a day to God, then we are nearing the end of a sixth day since creation, and there's coming a seven-year a seventh day prophetically in mankind's history, that day of the Lord is called a singular day, and yet it's referred to as a thousand years. It'll be a Sabbath. It'll be a day of rest, a day of peace, a day where swords will be beaten into plowshares, and a day where the lion will lay down with the lamb. That day will be ushered in not by our works, not by our deeds, not by our offerings, but by the coming of the Messiah. Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, is coming back as King of kings and Lord of lords. Paul reminded the church 
in his day that the signs of the times are so blatantly obvious. He says it in this way in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1, but of the times and seasons, brethren, that's believers, you have no need that I write unto you. He's saying it's obvious. Why do I need to even talk about it? The times we're living in now, folks, are evil times. Ephesians 5.16 is our our text, our scripture reference for our podcast. As we talk about time redeemers, Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How do I know the days are evil? Well, in Matthew 24, Jesus said that the love of many will wax cold. Look, we see neighbor against neighbor, friend against friend, family against family. The days are evil. These are evil times because of sin that is so prominent in our generation. There's always been sin, but never has sin been as popularized and as glamorized, as encouraged and promoted and and all as it is in our day and age. Sin, apostasy, a, a term that means a falling away. That's what we're living in. Many shall fall away. We're seeing that falling away from a standing position in the church age, not so much the world. The world is not the measurement. That's not the thermostat. That's not the, uh, uh, the, the ruler, the measurement of the spiritual climate before the coming of the, of the Lord, as much as the church age is the, the measurement of the climate of the time before the coming of the Lord. We are in evil times. As a minister, I see this all the time, where believers, people born and raised in churches, lived in churches their whole life, are turning away from the truth of Scripture. Now the Bible is looked at as nothing more than just a book of legend and myth and not to be taken as our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. The Bible is nothing more than just stories and genealogies instead of what the church believed it to be for 2,000 years, a book worth dying for, a book worth giving your life for, a book worth living for. And now even in the church age, when preachers and Christians refer to the scriptures in the New Testament, we're laughed at, we're scoffed, we're made fun of, we're ridiculed, not just from the world, but from other professing believers. These are the evil times. That's why we're to redeem the times. The days are evil. It's also evil times because of our adversary, the devil. He's working overtime. You know, the Bible tells us in Revelation, he knows his time is short. The devil knows times better than you know it, better than your preacher knows it, better than any scholar knows it. He knows the times he's in. He knows the times the church is in. He saw the birth of the church. He's tried to prevail against it for 2,000 years. He knows his time is short. And do you know that he has a plan in his time as well to fulfill his long-awaited plan to control the world and the, the religions of the world, the economies of the world, through a false Messiah called the Antichrist. Second Thessalonians 2 verse 6 says, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed, listen, in his time, 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 knowing that we're living in the last days, those perilous times, evil days, evil times. That's our motto. Let's be time redeemers. Let's redeem the time because we know it's evil. You know, to redeem the time, what Paul says to the church at Ephesus, that phrase, redeem the time, means to buy it back. It means to take possession of it again. Let's repossess our time. Let's buy it back. Time's a gift from God. So let's take that time that's a gift and use it wisely. You say, Dr. Pierce, how do you redeem the time? Well, 
just a couple of brief things, and then I'll be through with this podcast. First of all, remember that our life on earth is short. You might listen to this podcast and think, well, I've got plenty of time. We'll tell it to the to those that have passed away yesterday who thought they had plenty of time. Tell it to those that their life has ended today or will end before this day is out. I've got plenty of time to figure things out. I've got plenty of time to live for God. Do you really have plenty of time? How much time do you think you have a guarantee of? Psalms 89 verse 47 says, Remember how short my time is. Remember how short it is. The Bible says our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. You think you've got plenty of time. You may not have next week. You may not have tonight or tomorrow. How do we redeem it? Remember that our life on earth is short. Number two, number your days. Psalms 90 verse 12 says, teach, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. That means to treat every day as a gift from God. Number your days. Look back over your days. How long have you been on this earth? How old are you? Do you have another day today? Thank God for it. Number it. Look at every day as a special gift from God. You weren't guaranteed today, yet God gave it to you anyway. He can give it to you. He can take it away. As Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Number your days. After all, many people's yesterday was their last day. Tomorrow, they have no guarantee of, and it'll vanish away. Number your days. Number three, live one day at a time, like that old song says, but there's truth to that. Live one day at a time. And uh, I might be speaking a little to myself in this podcast, but worry, you know, is a sin. It's a sin. All worry can't be fixed by medication. Worry is a tool of the devil. Worry is something that all of us deal with at some form or another, but although we want to all think ahead and plan ahead, there is a danger in spending too much time worrying about the future while we neglect the present. Matthew 6, 25, the words of Jesus Christ says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Chapter 631, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Chapter 634, take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient of the day is the evil thereof. Live a day at a time. Stop worrying about next week, month, or year. Worry about today. Don't even worry about today, but if you have to worry, I guess think about today. Don't worry about things you can't control, and you can't control tomorrow. You can only control the present. Number four, invest your time in eternal things. By listening to a podcast like this, you've taken these moments, these minutes. You're investing. Just like in a bank, there is a heavenly bank in the New Jerusalem, and the Bible says it's full of treasures It's full of rewards, and time invested in the Lord's work is never wasted time. Spend more time in the things of God. How much money do we blow and waste every day, week, month, and year? Things that aren't worth anything after we buy it. Things that aren't worth anything a few years later. And yet, we can invest in something that has an eternal dividend, an eternal reward for us. Time invested in the Word of God is not wasted time. Time invested in prayer. Time invested in worship. Find your nearest Bible-believing church. Get involved in it. Go to the service. Support it. Worship the Lord. Live right. Do right. Do good things. Not because we're saved by it, but because it brings honor to God. 
when you have opportunity, do good to all men. Lay up heavenly treasures of investment that have an eternal reward. Move your time around if you need to. Shift it around and make time for the things of God. You say, I don't have time to pray. Make time. You say, I don't have time to read the Bible. Make time to read the Bible. You say, the weekend is my day to rest and to to get away. Well, just pray about it, but get in God's house anyway. See if your week don't go better. Don't skip church just because you've had a busy week. That's a ploy the devil as well. Keep us so busy that we have no time to do the things that we should for God. Invest your time in earthly things. Number five, witness to the lost in the time that we have, knowing that our time down here is a gift and it's limited, and knowing that we're in the last days, as we shared so many scriptures a moment ago, we should kick our witnessing efforts into overdrive. Take tracks with you everywhere you go. Tell your loved ones, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your classmates about the Lord. Make it a habitual thing to keep gospel tracks with you. Everywhere you go, pray for opportunities to witness. Talk to someone that you're concerned about their soul about. The rapture could be at any moment, and those who are lost are going to be left behind to experience the worst times this world has ever known out of the mouth of Jesus Christ. He said that very thing. So use your time to witness to the lost. Let me say last of all, become rapture-ready people. Let us become rapture ready. What do I mean by rapture ready? Because we know that the return of our Messiah is near. We should live each day as it could be our last day. What if he came before this podcast is through? What if he came before the day is ended? Are you ready? Are you you proud of your Christian life that you've been living for the Lord? Have you done your very best when you stand before him to give an account of yourself, can you say, I gave it my all? I gave it the best effort I could. I lived for you as much as I could. L- listen to what Jesus said in John 9, 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. Why? Because that's the time. That's all we've got. The night cometh when no man can work, Jesus said. Work while it's day. We The day means the opportunities that we have, the moments we have before the doors are closed. Matthew 24, 44 says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. It could be right now. It could be in just a moment. John put it this way. The same John that saw the revelation says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, Speaking of the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure meaning that the return of the Lord, being rapture-ready people, should lead us to purify ourselves, meaning we should live a separated, godly life to bring honor and glory to him. I preached a message before called, What Time Is It? Three simple points in that message. It's preaching time, it's praying time, and it's preparing time. Let me say as I close this out, it is preaching time. It's time that the true men of God preach the word of God, as one man said many years ago, as a dying man to dying men and women. May we preach the word of God in the time that we have, because that door could quickly close, and we can't have podcasts like this. We can't have live streams. We can't have worship services where the word of God is preached. It's preaching time. It's time to not worry about What's going to offend everyone? It's time to just preach the truth of Scripture, but do it in love. It's preaching time. It's 
preparing time. It's time to get prepared because Jesus could come at any given moment. Are you prepared to stand before the Lord? Is there anything in your life today when you look at the time of your life that you're not uh, that you're ashamed of? Let's redeem that time. Let's prepare to meet the Lord. And it's praying time. Folks, we need to spend more time praying for our churches, for the lost, for everyone that we know around us. It's time to pray. The Bible says we're to pray for the peace, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. We're to pray for Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. Pray for those that are spiritually blinded by the devil. Pray for those that are wayward and backslidden. Pray, of course, for the sick and the needy. Let's pray for our ministries and for our churches. I'm praying for you. Would you pray for me? As I prayerfully look ahead to the future with these Bible studies and uh, with this ministry, let us all become time redeemers. Let's be time redeemers. Ephesians 5.16 again says, Redeeming the time for the days are evil. That's my challenge to you today. Let's be time redeemers. Spend some time. Just take a break here today and spend time with the Lord in prayer. Spend time in his word. Spend time witnessing to others. Thank you for joining this podcast. You're a blessing to me for joining in and for sharing this ministry with those that you know. God bless each of you. Until next time, God bless.